Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Shenanacast. I am your host, Sinstaku, also known as John. Uh, and with me are... Shadow Chorus. Also known as... Also known as William. And... Units. Also known as Units. <laughs> and Austin. Also known as Electric Galaxy. No. Um, uh, and we are a group of friends that do a lot of stuff together. Uh, and a lot of shenaniganery. Um, specifically, we stream... On my channel, uh, twitch.tv slash Instaku, uh, Shadow Course has its own channel, uh, which is twitch.tv slash Shadow Course. And Austin used to uh, used to stream on his own channel, which was twitch.tv slash unit, but he no longer does. He only streams on mine. I have bought and sold him. And we, uh, we just really want to talk about stuff. We want to talk about stuff and have people listen to it. So we decided to make a podcast. Let's do, so this is our, per- this is our pilot podcast, so let's, uh, let's, I guess we'll go ahead and introduce ourselves to everybody listening. Starting with me uh, again, uh, since Taku, also known as John, I am. I've been gaming for most of my life. My very first game would have had to have been on the on the original Nintendo. I think it was like Duck Hunt, like going going. Yeah, Duck would have been Duck Hunt on the original Nintendo. Would have been my very first game uh, that I ever played, and and I've just been in love with the medium ever since then. Playing for a long time in in nine, 1997 would be the first time that I ever considered like I would ever uh, call, consider myself a gamer, and that was with Final Fantasy VII, which I bought for the PC when it came out here in the states. And I think it came out in '97. It might have come out later, but that game sort of showed me that 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 games could be more than just a visceral experience; that they could be a you know, so a, <clears throat> a form of art and a form of storytelling and a world that you can lose yourself in entirely. And since then, it's just been you know nonstop gaming. So much so that I so much so that I now uh, Twitch stream five times a week plus bonus streams on occasion. So, and uh, as well as doing our, our pen and paper RPGs. But uh, that's been it. That's that's sort of the the legacy of my gaming. I'm I'm really big into story, uh, story in games, specifically where story and gameplay. Mesh. I'm a big proponent of story and gameplay uh, being hand in hand with one another. As as viewers of my stream are no doubt sick to death of, of hearing me harp on about. And I I'm I'm, I'm very much sort of I want to do interesting things in an interesting world with an interesting story behind it. That's that's really what I want as a gamer. I want to I want to have experiences that I couldn't have otherwise in places that I could never be doing things that I could never do. Um, when I pick up a controller, or when I pick up some dice. Uh, how about you, Shadow Horse? I am Shadow Horse, also known as William. Uh, I am Sinstaku's brother. Which a lot of people apparently don't know. Yeah, apparently. that's Apparently that's not easy to figure out. I don't... Well, they're not looking at you, so but, if, um, if they're only hearing you, it might be easier. But uh, the my first game is probably around the same, actually probably the same as yours. It was probably Duck Hunter. I think it was Karate, actually. For the no, yours was it was I can't remember the name of it, but it, you played a, you played a it was like black belt or something where you played you played a karate student yeah fighting your way through, through stages through through, through, a, through through a dojo yes I remember because uh, it was one of the first multiplayer games we ever played mm-hmm. and we, the two of us would sit there playing it for a long time yeah and I I have been a gamer called myself a gamer since Warcraft two. Which was the first real, like, world-built game that I ever played. It was... And I got so immersed into the Warcraft universe. It's one of my favorite universes to date. I have been 
a writer and a creative person for basically ever since my imagination has started running wild, which was maybe kindergarten. I started I started writing creatively back in elementary school, and I've been doing it ever since. And I get into video games a lot as an author and as a story writer, so story is very, very important to me, uh, and how it meshes with gameplay is also important to me, just like it is with you. I'm often one who, who uh, likes to look at the morals and the lessons that are being taught by the stories, as well as where the stories are going themselves. It's a very... Literal. I'm very literally minded when I play video when I play video games or and, play tabletop games. And and you want to be a game designer yes. professionally. Yes, I want I want to get into <clears throat> game design professionally. I want to be the person who concepts worlds and mechanics, and I want to be part of the conceptual design team for a video game for a video game group. And how about you, uh, Unit? Yes, I am Units, also known as the Knockoff Weasley. Um, also known as Austin. That was the first thing that they called you on my stream. Was the who's the Knockoff Weasley? <laughs> But uh, I got into gaming at the age of three because my father was a, uh, was a gamer and we had one of the old Atari computer game systems uh, that predated hard drives. It's got the two floppy disks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we also had an, a PC. My mother was an electrical engineer, so we had computers everywhere in the house. So I got, I got into PC gaming. My first ever game was Heroes Quest back before it was called Quest for Glory. I actually learned how to read and type just so I could play that game, because my big brother and my dad played that game, and I wanted to be like them. Funnily enough, I also learned how to read and type to play adventure games, but mine was mm-hmm. mine were the LucasArts point-and-click uh, adventure yes. games. Yes. <laughs> that's, um, that's where we learned typing from. <laughs> but I, I love the, the, the parser games, which, which were when you entered commands on a keyboard. And Hero's Quest was nice in that it paused the game while you were typing. Space Quest and King's Quest were not so generous, and so you learned to type fast and without spelling errors, or you died repeatedly. Yep. But the other game I played as a child a lot was the Ultima series of RPGs, starting with Ultima 3, and then especially 4, 5, and 6. I played a lot of those games, so... So you, you have digested a lot of, of Lord British's writing. Oh, yes. Oh, oh. It's funny. I play. I play a lot of strategy games, and I'm I'm good at grand strategy games. And as much as I, but as much as I love Blizzard's universes, I'm really bad at Blizzard strategy games. I cannot micromanage resource gathering. Yeah, you know, micromanaging is is a, is a is a unique skill. <laughs> but for me, what what I look for in a game is I love concepts, even if they're not executed well. I love an. Uh, an interesting idea that they had. And I will play really crummy games if they had interesting characters and interesting concepts running underneath. Um, the gameplay could be awful. And yeah. I will just... I, I, have, I have sat through many a bad game because of either a good story or a really interesting idea. Yeah. So so what we're saying here is story, story, mechanics. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it, it, it doesn't have to be something story-wise. It can be a really interesting mechanical concept okay. that was just executed. Those ideas. Before, um, there was a game. I used to... Uh, I forget what it's called. It came in a two-pack with Planescape Torment because there was no other way they could sell this thing. It was a bad game. The, the gameplay, though, was really unique, and they did... Um, they got actual fight choreographers to do motion captures for all your moves and the like. But the problem was it was released in the mid-90s and the technology was not ready. Uh, was, to... it, was it rotoscoped? Uh, I don't know. Like Mortal Kombat or Prince of Persia style? Uh, it might have been. Original Prince of Persia? It, it might have been. Yeah. But the original Prince of Persia uh, was uh, it was very much the same thing, but it was, it was the, the lead designer's younger brother 
uh, was mm-hmm. was was basically recorded and rotoscoped into the game. Well, it's like yeah. um, <clears throat> Never Dead. Never Dead's a really bad game, but it's a really cool concept. I yeah. I tried to stream Never Dead, and I couldn't. I that like I I I I streamed the entirety of Ride to Hell, and you couldn't stream Never Dead. I couldn't stream Never Dead. Like Never Dead's a really bad game, but it's a really cool concept it's, of like as your body falls apart, you keep going. I think I couldn't. I think I couldn't stream Never Dead. So. There is a manga that I really much enjoyed uh, called Blade of the Immortal. I don't know if it's still going or not, but it's it revolves around a samurai who is immortal. Basically, mm-hmm. he's got blood parasites in his body that re- that basically re- you know, sort of what he if he gets his arm cut off, he can just hold it back up and they'll stitch his body back together. Mm-hmm. And I really loved that story. I really loved that character and that, that that sort of idea. So I was really looking forward to liking Never Dead, even though it was a horrible game. But it was so horrible, so poorly executed, so just bad. I was so soul crushingly disappointed. I couldn't continue playing it. Mm-hmm. I think it was. It wasn't that it was. A, it wasn't just that it was a bad game. It was that I was expecting a level of enjoyment from the concept that I didn't get, and and I just I was bored. Mm-hmm. I, I I it was a chore to continue moving the controller. So that's that's an example of a really good concept that's let that's down executed horribly, really badly, horribly. Especially because I love, like I said, I love the Blade of the Immortal, which is essentially the same thing. It's like, oh, you you've murdered a piece of my soul with that game. Yeah, sorry, you probably had more to say. Oh no, just um, and then I was gonna say the other big thing in my life was pen and paper RPGs. Um, I started D and D when I was six. My my dad took my brother and I, and we. Walked us through first edition, AD and D, which a six year old is interesting. Yeah, um, I mean if you pick it up that early, then it, everything else is easy, yeah, right? Yeah, no, every, every edition that's come out since, pff, super easy. And I, I, I actually have a fondness for second edition D and D. We can discuss it on, at length later, but I feel like modern pen and paper um, gaming systems have. The sort of oversimplification that comes from a MMORPG crowd. We can go ahead. And, we can actually go ahead and just springboard off that into yeah. into uh, into pen and paper RPGs. Because so I am a relative newcomer to pen and paper RPGs relative compared to you, and then uh, William is a relative newcomer compared to me. No, actually, I I started doing pen and papers on my own. Did actually, you? yeah. When did you start? Uh, when I first encountered Neverwinter Nights, I wanted to get into the pen and paper aspects. Okay, okay. So that the that was a while. That was two thousand one. Two thousand one. Yeah. I started when I first met you. Yes, because we ran that that we ran that really short campaign that never went anywhere. Uh, where 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 huh. Sutta shot a bear in the where, eye. Where where you and that bear just kept crit missing each other, and yeah. then the the rogue was like, "Oh my goodness, give me a break, Paladin." Yeah. So and, so let me set the scene for the for the for the listeners. We're a group, we have a sorcerer, a paladin, and a rogue. A rogue with a short bow. A paladin with a, what was it, bastard sword? Bastard sword and, and a shield. And, shield. and then sorcerer with sorcerer. And then a, and a bard with a poleaxe. And a bard with a poleaxe. And so, we're in a, we, we, we roam through some woods. This was a very simple story. We never got, we never got beyond the, the first battle, actually. No, we, we did one session, and I, I think, because uh, your wife was. Yeah. Your wife and Seth were playing, and they didn't get into it, so. Yeah, no, they weren't, they weren't too terribly into it, so, um. But eh, it's not for everybody. We, we we got into a fight with a pair. Of, was it was a pair of bears or was it one bear? 
I think it was a bear and like a few wolves. A bear and a few wolves. And I, I sort of, you know, being the paladin, being the tanky, heavy armor with a shield and stuff, I sort of wade into combat and I start swinging. And I am rolling terribly. Like, I, I swing at the bear. I buried my sword into a tree next to it. Then the bear, then you swung back also horribly. The bear face planted, laughing at my ineptitude. And then, and then I missed again. <laughs> and, 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 your then, sword. and I threw my sword away. Yeah. And then the rogue does rapid shot double twenties. Yeah, yeah. A rapid shot double twenties, double crits the bear in the eyes, and and the bear dies. It's um, like uh, how what? In the meantime, even? bard with the pole axe attack of opportunity kill all the wolves. Yeah. It was it was a good day. Yeah, uh, it was it was, and then so that was that was that was my I think my second of all time yeah. uh, pen and paper RPG session. So I, um. I, I still remember <coughs> vaguely my first RPG session because I had, I had just, I was still young. And so I, I like, I was like, this idea must be fresh because I just had it. You know, um, I, I had just gotten off of the Icewind Dale trilogy. Uh-huh. And so my first, my first pen and paper RPG character was of course, a draw ranger who deal wielded swords. Ah, oh, shocker. That idea has never been done before. You know, was he goodly draw? Oh, actually, he was actually chaotic neutral. I wanted to, I wanted him to do whatever I wanted him to do, which was you know Fair. chaotic neutral. Chaotic. That's neutral. not how chaotic neutral actually works, but that was how I thought it worked at the time. Yeah. It, it's amusing looking at <clears throat> beginner D and D players and how they view alignments and kind of an over over oversimplified worldview of chaotic neutral means I can do whatever I want. Chaotic good means I can do whatever I want as long as I have some garbage explanation for why I did it. Yeah. So I like I, I like the idea that alignment actually correlates to your god, not to you. Which is a, which is a topic of discussion that's, that's gone, gone around the internet for a while uh, in regards to pen and paper alignments. Specifically in D&D. Where your basically your alignment ties to your god and what your god views as good bad law evil chaotic whatever um, um that's for not entirely true well that's it's it's, it's it's the argument that's the argument yeah. it's, it's the argument is is does it or does it not you know does it or, the interpretation well that, in where, that in that case all all drow would be chaotic good because everything their god everything they're doing their god sees is good well no 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 not 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 quite that way um not that's not quite what i mean what I mean is, uh, the, the example that, that's been used, that I've used, and that I enjoy, is, is the difference between Tyr and Torm mm-hmm. in, in Forgotten Realms D&D. Tyr is the god of justice, and Torm is the god of law. So, you approach a situation where uh, you have come across a bandit who you have evidence of his wrongdoings, and you have caught him, say, in the middle of doing a wrong, and but he has... But he is not in a position to fight back. Tyr is the god of justice. Tyr demands you, he pay for his crime right there. Whatever that may be. Torm is the god of law. Torm demands that he be taken back to a city and face trial for his actions. So a paladin of Tyr is just as justified in striking him down there as a paladin of Torm is for arresting him and taking him back to a city. I see. That's where I, I think it'd be more. I could say a paladin of Cuthbert would be justified in taking him down right there because Cuthbert is. Well, Cuthbert would try to convert him. Cuthbert would be 
Convert or die. Yeah, convert or die. Whereas tier would be there is no there is no you know there's no conversion. You that's die now. That, that's really when you get into the lawful aspects because like that's the differences between like different versions of but, lawful. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that, that that that's less to do with the deities and more to do with your character's branch of how they react. Like yeah, like one thing I was wondering about: what would be the alignment of an individual who decides to take down tyranny because he hates all established authority, but he does so by challenging authority two legal duels. So he is fighting the law within legal means. True neutral. Is he chaotic or is he lawful? True neutral. I mean neutral. True but, neutral. But that's well, not what not neutral means. Not necessarily true neutral, but neutral good. Neutral means that you follow the law to the extent that the law perpetuates good. To me, to me that um because because in this case his goals are chaotic but his methods are lawful. Which is why he follows the law to the point where he wants it to. No. He uses no. the law he, he uses the law to take down the law. Which is which is lawful. Yeah. But his he, methods he, are lawful. Yeah. But and he's so, he, but he's only using it to the point where it I would him. I would consider someone's motives to <clears throat> be their alignment. So they'd be chaotic. Yeah, he would be chaotic good, manipulating law. Okay. Like, the idea of manipulating another alignment is not a new one. But the, the problem is, you look at lawful evil, which is not based on your motives, it's based entirely on your methods. Well, you can be lawful evil, your, your goals can be... Well, no, be... It, is, it is based on your motives. Your, your motives as a lawful evil character is to maintain an order that benefits you. Not necessarily. You're, you're, you could just be a law... Your character is lawful because he, he uses... He uses "Quote unquote honorable methods." Um, well, admittedly, for, it's for self-serving reasons. For me, for me, I, I, everything is your motive. Like for me, a character who seeks to cause harm and express his anger on the world, no matter how he does it, if he goes about it in lawful means, no matter what, he's chaotic evil because he's just expressing his inner rage. A lawful evil person is someone who wants to build a world for him. He wants to build a society, a goal. He has he has plans in place and, that benefit but, him. And it's and it's not necessarily bricklaying, hiring masons. Mm, it's, yeah. it's it's orchestrating a situation in which he benefits through means of lawful action, but or I, not or under the table lawful. You know, like, but like I, not I, I, overtly like a chaotic evil person to me that would be using the law would be an over aggressive cop who beats down literally everyone he takes in. He would be chaotic evil to me. No. He's still working within the law. No, but that, that's that is chaotic that is evil. Lawful to me. evil. He is. He his motivation is evil. His motive is evil. It's not necessarily chaotic, and and that's where it's D and D is really interesting because it draws the line between ethical ethics and morality. In that regard, you can be evil but still act within the means of the law. A a a, a police officer who performs his duties legally, who does everything he's legally allowed to do, but, you know, maybe they do... He's a little bit too aggressive with the capture. They do, they're as aggressive as they are <laughs> legally allowed to be. They do every every method of inflicting pain they're legally allowed to do would still be lawful. Well, they're see, to working me, within the confines of law. even the And their, their motive is not chaotic. Their motive is evil. Well, to me, like, the reason why is also in, like... If he was well, doing it just to express his anger with the world and his rage at the people around him, I would call that chaotic. Well, to that me. could also just be evil. Um, so what we're, what we're reading here is actually that your motives could be influenced 
by either side of that coin. Yeah, they could be insert. They could be influenced by the law, by the law of chaos, or by the well, evil good. Law, chaos, good, and evil are separate but not mutually exclusive. Yeah, like the one influences the other. And it, it's certain character balances are weird to strike. And so, like true neutral is really hard. It's really hard to maintain. The, true, true neutral, in my in my experience, means an apathy. Yeah, towards apathy. morality and ethics. You just don't care. So what we're getting at is when you try to place people in boxes, it gets very difficult. Yes. yes. <laughs> so which is why I really enjoy games that don't have alignment systems. I really enjoy the more freeform uh, systems, like Shadowrun. Like, uh, yeah. I'm really enjoying what I'm seeing and reading and, and hearing about Traveler. I really enjoy like like L5R and etc. that have they have systems in place to benefit you for working with or against the law, and perhaps systems in place that benefit you for being good or evil, but that doesn't necessarily influence your personality, your mental state, your what your objectives are because you are a complex person and you have all of these aspects in See, you. I, I well, like I like alignment systems wherein they exist. And they're there as basically an informative guideline for your character. Yeah. But they do not have a rules effect. So, 5th edition. Yes. <laughs> well, mo- most... D- uh, in all D&D games, that's how alignment works. The only time it dr- it literally affects you is if you are playing, like, a 3.5 paladin. Yeah. Or a cleric. Actually, no, well, it does No, it does, it does. does affect you in 3.5, even if you're not playing a paladin or a cleric, because there are instances where the GM will say, your alignment shifts down or your alignment shifts up because of the way you've been acting. And the gods, who are a real force in the world, can then affect you in different ways, depending on your GM. So there is a, there is a mechanical impact. It, it just, well, it's, a, it's more on, of a social... Only, only if the GM tries to use it that way. What, what it comes down to is, is in all role-playing games... The key is reliance on GM, and the problem, my, <coughs> my opinion, the biggest problem with 3.5 was that they minimized the GM's authority as by creating rules for everything. There so are many so rules. many rules. So many rules. The GM doesn't have to make any calls because there's a rule for that. Yeah, there's a rule for that. Uh, it, 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 3.5 is really fun. I'm not, not, no. not knocking 3.5. I enjoy it. I enjoy Pathfinder a lot. I, I, I enjoy the complexity. And I have, I, like, the entire I, three books set memorized yeah. by heart. I, I, <laughs> I, enjoy, I enjoy the level of, of customization, the level of detail that you get into with your characters for the players in 3.5 and Pathfinder. As a GM, though, well, like, it gets GM, annoying <laughs> when a player's like, oh, according to this little rule in this splat book, I can use my Intimidate check to stare the angel down and let and um, make it let me murder somebody in front of it. So what you're saying is you don't like the uh, the book of divine good and the book of, and the book of uh, whatever the evil one is. I don't like any <laughs> book of malefic darkness. The, the, the splat books got ridiculous. <laughs> well, for or wizard, I can cast any spell to do anything well, mechanically. Like, like the, the the book of divine justice, uh, there were abilities uh, that you could take, like feats and abilities that you could take as clerics and, and monks mm-hmm. that gave you like like one that gave you you, you glowed with a divine light you no longer had to eat you know yeah. you basically became a, a sub angel well those are fine the, the worst one is the <coughs> wish spell especially I can cast wish to it do any 7th level or lower spell and just the number of 7th level spells that are available to you 
yeah. is solve any problem mechanically. But like, um, in those situations, it's typically I I rule that the rules are there, but the GM and the story yeah. override the rules. The GM's fiat. Yeah, it's it's a case of like, yes, typically normally you would be able to make this intimidate check against an angel, but it's an angel. You don't get to intimidate the angel. Yeah. Um. And if you if you ever played first or second edition, is as you read the book, almost every rule is followed by at the GM's discretion, <laughs> which I love. Yeah, the fifth edition. Uh, the thing that I really love about fifth edition is the the um, the sort of the, the 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 taking of of all the excess and all the fat and all the bloat from three point five and just scraping it away and scraping it away on, on the flip until side, you're back down to that bare bones the, system. The thing I don't like about fifth edition is I think they took too much too away, much away yeah. um, to the point where there's a lot of times where things are much less meaningful because of how simplified they are. It's the, true. The, the fact proficiencies mean a lot less because at as a fifth level character you get a plus three bonus yeah. to what you're proficient with um which means that my your character your character might be a, uh, a stealthy individual who grew up on the streets and learned how to pick locks and somebody else is just a really dexterous archer but they you know they were a ranger they never picked a lock in their life and when it comes to, oh, I have a plus six versus a plus three. Well, that actually then ties into your class. Um, because if you are, you said, like, say you grew up on the streets and you learned how to take locks, that doesn't mean you, that you, you learned how, that doesn't mean you ever took it and perfected it. But if you started off as a character that, that grew up in the streets and learned how to pick locks, and then you took that and became a rogue, and actually worked at it and studied it, you get the expertise ability, yeah. which then adds it again. So rather than a plus three, you're getting a plus you know, nine. You're getting a plus nine, plus your dexterity. When you, well, you no, no, it just would be because it reminds me like a dex plus plus three. Yeah. Um, so you're getting you're getting that little you're getting the yeah. same proficiency plus a little bit more because in your class spec, you've 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 said. I am a yeah. dog that is particularly good at doing this but, one thing or two things. I mean, if you are, say, a, a character who is a fighter and you have the urchin background feat. You have the ability to pick locks. You've got the ability good, to pick locks. And but stealth. not as good as a rogue. You're, you're not as good as a rogue, yeah. but the... And that's and I'm fine with that. Okay, so you got a chance at picking locks. The rogue's got a better chance. Then the untrained woodland ranger still has a decent chance. If, well, that's that's that, that at that point it becomes... a because you can't pick locks without thieves tools yeah but you could literally the thief could fail the ranger could take his tools and pick the lock yeah I like I, I, I see where you, I see where this, this sort of the specialization doesn't matter as much because yeah. you're never going to be stuck at a door that needs to be picked in 5th edition because somebody will be able to figure it out whereas in 3.5 if you didn't have a rogue and you didn't have, and you came across a trap-filled hallway with a locked door at the end. You better find a clever uh, way to get around it. Con, con-based trap detection time. <laughs> I was like, or, the fifth edition has had a weird impact on the metagame that I that I have noticed. It's like it's good and bad. The plus side is you no longer have to have fighter, mage, rogue. Yeah. That is no longer a requirement. The downside is 
That means that you don't no, even you don't even no longer you, you no longer have to have fighter mage rogue cleric. You don't you don't even everybody has a way of healing themselves now. It's like uh, the downside of that is that no one stands out in a party. There no one has a, has a specific role in which they shine. And yeah. No one no one has something that they do so amazingly that they that they are the center point that they are the center point of that aspect in the party. Well, we've come across situations in our fifth edition campaign that contradict that uh but we've come across <laughs> a lot of situations where there were challenges specifically designed for a couple characters you know one or two characters to excel at and, and then, then they get somebody beaten by somebody who has no experience it's okay you can, you can say it was me <laughs> it beaten by somebody actually usually it was shadow chorus because dude rolls 20s <laughs> like nothing else true. i i don't I, except when he tries to sneak into a guard barracks disguised as a person whose name he doesn't know yeah. <laughs> I, I have I have I have the receiving end of the Wheaton dice curse. I feel yeah, it's just been channeled to you. <laughs> well, what what happens is for every die I roll, you get the other end there of it. Go. <laughs> there you go. Um, but yeah, so we have had situations on both sides yeah. of that. I think and where, for instance, our 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 bard was captured, mm-hmm. and rather than running and get the rogue. The warlock decided, I'm going to walk into the guard post and demand it. She gets released, um, and and he disguises himself as a as a guard. Walks in, doesn't know anything about being a guard, yeah. and gets captured immediately. Um, and so now we're down our warlock and our and our and our bard, and we don't know where the two of them are in relation to one another. So the rogue's job becomes harder. So rather than leaning on the rogue. I say, well, why don't we just blow a hole in the wall? And we did. And that was a method that surprisingly worked. Yes. I don't know how well that might have worked in 3.5. Um, but in 3.5, the rogue would be so good that it wouldn't matter. It's like, oh, psh, don't worry about it. Sneak in, sneak in. Yeah. Pick up, pick but on, up, on the flip out. side, it gives the rogue a chance to be like, look at my cool skills. In yeah. this game, it's the rogue doesn't have enough tools yeah. to excel at what her class is. And I know neither of you have played second edition. I've played a little bit of it. I have, I have played... I've experienced the system. Through. I played a module in 2nd uh-huh. edition. It was more than one session, but it was not a but campaign. I played, s- like, and, and I've also, I'm also familiar with, like, uh, um, Baldur's Gate, which was built on 2nd edition uh, rules. Yes, but it doesn't utilize the proficiency and the out-of-combat okay. stuff a lot. The, the thing I love about 2nd edition um, is that characters don't have to be balanced. You don't have to have your rogue be as amazing as your fighter be as amazing as your wizard in for, for combat purposes of like it could look it could be well in combat my rogue is useless and that's fine because i excel in this area yeah. instead i don't need to be useful in combat your mage could be like i'm out of spells i don't have a purpose but when i cast my spells they do awesome things and, and so taking that shadow run absolutely love Shadowrun because there are no classes. There are archetypes. There are no classes. You could be a completely useless in combat character with no combat skills whatsoever and still be useful to the party. You could be a fixer. You know, you could be a fixer who specifically only has uh, information gathering and social skills that's all you've got you would die in a fight but because you have these information gathering and social skills you can help 
guide the party down a path that will take them through less danger. You don't even necessarily have to go. You can just be on comms the whole mission and just be, you know, sort of guy, say, I've got a map and I'm going to guide you guys or, through this. Or you could be a hacker who is, you know, from an external location hacking their systems and, you know, oh, I've got a security readout. I'm going to relay to you what you need to do. Yeah, go left, go right, Mission start. Impossible style. You know? Yeah, and it's an important role. I really love what Shadowrun does as far as being a classless system, not locking you into roles, but allowing you to create a role for yourself. Now, the flip side of that, which was at least with our experience with 4th edition Shadowrun, was that if you're really good at rolling, doesn't matter what your class is. Okay, uh, <laughs> it's not as bad as 5th edition. No. The only person who broke that... With Shadow Chorus. <laughs> rolling, rolling. Sixes and sixes and how sixes many, and sixes. How many dice did you roll for your block? I rolled ten dice. I had to make 21 successes to not get hit by a red samurai sword. And he beat it. I and beat you it. beat it by like ten. <laughs> like sixes and sixes and sixes and sixes. I'm alive! And we would like to clarify for all of you wondering out there, yes, we have all rolled his dice. No, they don't work as well for any of us. And yes, he is very open about all of his rolling. Yeah. I promise. He's not, he's not cheating. It's not I, cheating. I GM. It's a black magic voodoo curse. Yes. <laughs> or a voodoo benefit. Um, and it was, it was crazy because I'm, I'm the GM for Shadowrun uh, just because I, nobody wants to GM Shadowrun. Um, which is not, it's not true, but I, I just happened to know more about it at the time. Um, and it was amazing because I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm like, okay, they're just blowing through all of my low-level encounters Let's throw in some Rinraku Red Samurai and see what happens if we mix it up a little bit. No, he just catches the blade. He's a technomancer, by the way. Catches the blade, turns it off. You know, it's like, okay, me, me, by the while, way. my um, swordsman is getting wrecked in sword combat by these guys because they're so ridiculously powerful. Yeah, well, Red Samurai are. But um, it, was, it, it was funny. That we, we learned some of our mistakes. We learned that the rules are written literally... The rules were written the way they were for a reason and trying to be like, oh, well, this rule isn't doesn't look like it's fun to play by. Let's ignore it. Yeah. Turns out for to a be reason. a bad idea. But 5th uh, edition has fixed a lot of the issues that... Even, even the issues that weren't caused by rules. Like yeah. that, like him rolling sixes was part of the rules. Um, uh, whereas in 5th edition is a bodily limit. Yeah. Like there's, a, there's a limit to how good you can be. Which I think is, which I think you know, they sort of looked at what their issue was, and I'm 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 confident that we're not the only group that ever had that issue with a technomancer blocking a, a samurai sword, yeah, because he just happened to roll or scoring bombers. a perfect shot and headshotting somebody with yeah. a pistol, yeah, um, and I, because looking at the looking at the physical limits uh, system for fifth edition Shadow Run, uh, I I know. There was playtesters going, I'm, a, I'm not a combat character, but I'm killing people left and right because I roll good. And mm-hmm. so I was like, oh, well, then you can only roll this or many die, and you can the, only take this many successes. Or the same problem where I would be in a fight, and Shadowrun, you don't have a lot of hit points. And the fight would open with, I'd get attacked by somebody, and we'd both be rolling the same number of dice. And it, we would both be rolling, like, 20 dice. And he'd get 35 successes off the bat, and it's like, I can't survive this it's almost impossible and we did have some yo-yoing going on though where you'd go down and he'd pick you back up and you'd go down and he'd pick you back up that was a hilarious thing because when you have when you have high mental stats in shadow run you're really good at using med kits even yeah. if you have no experience with it yeah 
so, but yeah, fifth edition, fifth edition has fixed a lot of those issues, and um, I'm 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 looking forward to playing some more of that. Bouncing back to three five, there's a lot of <laughs> variant three five uh, things because the open gaming license hit. Yeah, um, which I think was, I think it's great. I love the open gaming license. I wish I, they'd do it for fifth edition. I, I feel like people always talk about how open gaming license ruined them and how it opened it up to Pathfinder, but I I feel like the open gaming license made gaming a thing. It made pen oh, yeah. and paper attractive to so many more groups. It gave everyone, here's a base yeah. that you can use and you can do so much with to bring people into gaming. And, and so by virtue of that, they increased their own things. What brought what made Pathfinder go what made Pathfinder popular was the fact that fourth edition was, was terrible. Was, was bad. Was bad. Um so we're what, we're not gonna talk about fourth edition anymore than saying it was bad. I, I don't know. I think I think fourth edition deserves some you say what you're gonna say. I think we yeah. do need to discuss fourth edition. We'll talk about that in a minute. Don't um, write it off. One one of the systems that emerged out of the open gaming license was my personal favorite, the War the World of Warcraft RPG system. It started out as Warcraft RPG, which was just an extension for three five. It was a module. It was it was it was a universe module for three five. After that, they said, "Okay, people really like playing in this game. Like, there there are a lot of Blizzard players. There are a lot of people who played Blizzard games who like D anD D, who like this universe. We're gonna make it a separate system using the open gaming license, which became the World of Warcraft RPG. And one of my favorite things about the World of Warcraft RPG is there's so much variety in character and class and ability that you can pick a class for any situation." And you can put it together, and it's also a case of alignment is no longer as restrictive, because the affiliation system is basically you're aligned with this faction. You'll work with people from this faction no matter what their alignment is, because they're in, because they're in your because they're on your side most of the time. Most in of the fact, time. players are very encouraged to play evil characters because of the way magic works. Yeah, because uh, in in the Blizzard universe, magic is a corrupting force. So if you use the darker sides of magic, like being a warlock or a necromancer. Unless you limit your power, which is what the uncorrupted variants are. There are uncorrupted warlocks and uncorrupted necromancers whose alignment stays fine, but they have to limit their powers. The regular warlocks and necromancers slowly slide into evil as they level up. If they're not already there. Yeah, they're not already there. Um, <clears throat> which, you know, it's fine. So you play a love, lethal, whatever. There's a lot more evil characters in Warcraft RPG that will than fit than with a good party. In, yeah, than there are in 5th edition. Yeah, you don't, like, you don't have to play an evil party to be an evil character yeah. in, in Warcraft. Um, that being said, evil parties are fun. They are. Um, evil parties are interesting. I'm not going to say fun. <laughs> I've played in one too many evil parties. <laughs> Was it an evil party going through uh, going through one of the dungeons? Uh, one of the one of the big dungeons, like the uh, oh, what was it? Um, uh, one of the big, massive, hardest dungeons ever. Temple of Elemental Horrors. Oh, Temple of Elemental Horrors. Yep, yep. There's a Tomb of Horrors. Tomb of Horrors, Temple of Elemental Evil. I was putting the two together. It's Temple of Elemental Horrors. Temple of Elemental Evil, written by Gary Gygax himself, because Gary Gygax was a fan of TPKs. I'm not joking. Like, Gary Gygax was a player killer. He wrote Tomb of Horrors, he wrote Temple of Elemental Evil. Tomb of Horrors was worse. Temple of Elemental Evil is the one where you can accidentally go through a mirror and lose all your equipment and gender swap. Tomb of Horrors is where you can look into a statue and have while, get an orb of annihilation to the face while you're uh, while you're uh, halfway through the dungeon. Yeah. <laughs> so you're at the you're at the level ten section of Tomb of Elemental Evil, and you've suddenly lost all your magical items, all of your equipment, your gender swap now, 
And you you know you're still your class, you still have your skills, but you don't have anything to use it with. Like Tomb of, Tomb of Horrors is you start the Tomb of Horrors. Hey, look, there's a statue over there. I'm gonna look at it. Orb of Annihilation. Orb of Annihilation. <laughs> at least it kills you early. Don't get too bested. <laughs> at least at least it gets you start get you started. That reminds me, there was there was a party that beat the Tomb of Horrors in the best way. They were a party of dwarven prospectors. They took their picks and they dug their way through the tomb. <laughs> At the very beginning, they ignored all of it. They just dug through the tomb. <laughs> That's the way to do it. I feel like if Gary Gygus would be and be like, hmm, you accidentally hit a beholder's lair. Yeah, you drop into a beholder's lair, you're level one. Have Whoops. fun. <laughs> uh, but, um, dungeons that kill people. Anyways. So, um, fourth edition. fourth edition. So, I actually played fourth edition. <clears throat> I tried my best to give it a fair shot. And I played it in a couple different contexts. The biggest problem with 4th edition was it was balanced. It was completely balanced. It was absolutely balanced. It was boring balanced. It was, um... And it was perfectly balanced like a throwing knife. But the, the problem with what a they... A dulled did, throwing knife. Um, and what they did to balance it was, they were like, okay, well, we're going to give everybody the same scale to work with. Which meant that at every level, uh, every character started out with a daily power an encounter power, and two um, at-will powers, depending on your class. Every class, their attacks were based on their primary stats. So your bard sorted people with their charisma. Your cleric hammered people with their wisdom. It was a little silly. I have the power of wisdom! Listen to my knowledge Um, of the world! (laughs) Or look at my dazzling smile and be dead. My dazzling smile translates to my dazzling sword in your stuff. Um, and they also they they got this vibe where no one wanted to play the healer in three point five because heal 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 heal. And so healing spells only go off if you hit somebody. And so it's like I need to heal you. Let me hammer the skeleton heal. <laughs> Which and you don't actually heal people. You allow them to use their um, surges. Their, their healing surges, which heal them based on their own hit dice. You're not even really healing people. You're, you're healing. letting them heal themselves. That's something that I really enjoy about 5th edition, is that in 5th edition, uh, healing classes are not just stuck healing. Because there are bonus action heals, there are reaction mm-hmm. heals, and there are things that you can which do. Which was a much better mm-hmm. way to Also, fix. the fact that cure wounds is cure wounds. Period. Just, it's the only cure wounds you need. Cast um, it at a higher level if you need to. It's cure wounds. But yeah, fourth edition was <laughs> done with that. And the, the, what the problem was, you you would build a character, and each each class supposedly had their thing. You know, rogues were mobility, fighters were defense, barbarians were offense. But um, I actually took the rogue ability and the paladin's abilities. Uh, no, the rogue's abilities and the fighter's abilities. Took off the names, wrote them down in the index cards, and gave them to my brother to see if he could sort which one were the rogues and which one's the paladin. He got about half of them right. Really? Yeah. Because um, some of them are obvious. Some of them are. Well, it's like... Um... And, and what happens is, every fight I would get into, no matter who was DMing, no matter how it was being run, was use my encounter power first, then use my best at-will power over and over and over again until the battle's over. That's why I really hope And that... the fighter's at-will was attack, wasn't it? Or what was it? No, no. Every, everybody's got their own at-will that does whatever. For example, the ranger has an at-will... That um, lets them hit with both blades, but they don't add 
their attribute damage. The rogues at will hit somebody and moves the space away. The fighters <laughs> at will hits um, attack somebody, and even if you miss, you do your strength damage to them. So all fighters are shield fighters in in fourth edition, or what? Fighters are considered a defensive class. Um, oh, also, you pick a class, and that's your character right off the bat. There is no multi-classing. Um, feats are almost all static bonuses. There are numerical bonuses to either attack or damage. Mm-hmm. Or the proficiencies. Um, multi-classing is a feat. It's, But basically, it's, you get to pick a power from their list, which doesn't matter because your list is so similar. Yeah. Because it's like, well, magic missile is an attack with my intelligence, whereas shield bash is an attack with my constitution. Eh. I... I had a conversation with someone about 4th edition, and it was it, we, we basically summed it up that 4th edition was a D&D born out of an MMO. It really is. Um, it's even more so D&D born out of a, um, a board game. It, it's, a, it's a board game MMO had a baby, and it was 4th edition. Um, because another thing they did was they <coughs> removed rules regarding role-playing, because they were trying to open up role-playing, and like, okay, well... We don't want role-playing to be dice-rolling. Yeah. We mm-hmm. don't want role-playing to be the literal rolling of dice, which I appreciate the sentiment, but it got to in, the point in, where... In the, practice, it doesn't work. In, in practice, what it came down to, here's a book of combat rules, and here's and, and they work on boards. And if you don't have a board, you get really confused, and it became a board game. Mm-hmm. Um, it, well, but there are instances of that working out well, like Mice and Mystics. Is a is a very is a very uh, beginner beginner level mm-hmm. uh, board game RPG where you have pre made characters well, with pre made models, and you um you you have a series of board tiles and it's just it's encounter to encounter, but the story that ties it all together is read out by one of the players. And, and I I will say if Fourth Edition was not labeled Dungeons and Dragons, it, it would have, have been better. better. Received. Yeah. It would have been better received, but it wouldn't have sold as well. Because there's because there's 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 a level of expectation with Dungeons and Dragons, like Dungeons and Dragons, where it's going to be, to be open, sort of an open, uh, uh, sort of an open-ended feel, less on railsy, yeah. yeah, more about the characters with incidental combat as opposed to combat with incidental characters. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's like I really hope that Fifth Edition puts out an open gaming license because I really want to see stuff that they're, was they're in not 35. going to. No, they're Come it, back. Be, because of Pathfinder. I, I well, am... they might, but it won't be until Sixth Edition is out. It's like I, I really want to see systems like the Warcraft RPG, like other, like other, like the, all the things that came out of Three Five that were really good. I want to see them come back for Fifth but, Edition for all the improvements. Uh, the beauty is because of the open gaming license, so many other gaming companies got to start. Yeah, and they already are. Yeah, and they're already and making like their own Pathfinder. Stuff. Pathfinder has just recently released their core rulebook, um, which is the the illustrated core guide to Pathfinder, which I think is technically their second or third edition from the from the original. Pathfinder? I'm not sure. Um, but and you know, well, and, and Pathfinder... from that we had we got Star Wars, uh, Galaxies and Sagas. Mm-hmm. We got uh, Edge of the Empire. We got Warcraft RPG. We got we got a Wheel of Hero. Time RPG. We got Wheel of Time. Which <laughs> have you ever actually read the rules for Wheel of Time? I have not. You've told me about them though. The Wheel of Time was a great concept, but it was really rushed. They did not test it. And they did not involve Robert Jordan at all. Yeah. Um, and what ended up happening? What ended up happening was you had something that was awkwardly separate from 3.5, but still too similar to 3.5 to actually work. And you had classes that they did not actually 
Um, like the for anyone who knows Wheel of Time, Algai de Siswai are the elite warriors of the waste. They're survivalists. They're hardy. They are deadly. <coughs> they, they dance the spears, which they're turn- the equivalent uh, for for Game of Thrones fans. They're the equivalent of the um, the 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 people of the desert whose names I've suddenly forgotten. Um, um, the the raiders that that uh, Caldrogo's Cal- people. people. Um, cool. I, for, for some reason, the name just went out I'm of my head. What, 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 you, you know who I'm talking yeah. about. What it translated to was <clears throat> a character who was saddled down with the inability to wear armor, the inability to use any weapon but a short spear, which is a mediocre at best weapon, and a bunch of initiative bonuses. And that was it. Their saving throws were awful. Their class skills were awful. They didn't have anything going for them. So basically what, what they did was they took the literal representation of what they were in the book and put it in the game. Yes. As opposed to making it mechanically work. Yes. Um, um, they, they, what they should have been more like barbarians. They should have been more like a barbarian or a monk. Yeah. Uh, but one, one of my favorite things, for example, in Wheel of Time is characters' armor classes go up as they level up as a representation that you get better at dodging, you get better at, you know, parrying, which I really like because a lot of... You get better at putting that armor shoulder in front of the sword. Because Dungeons & Dragons has been very bad about representing, well, you know, a level 20... A naked level 20 character has the same AC as a naked level 1 character. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And by the book logic, it's, oh, well, you have more hit points, which represents you're better to take... You're able to take blows better, and, you know, you, you turn a lethal blow into a glancing blow. But no. in the, in this game, you have the the, the problem was they made it the, a rule that armor doesn't stack with your bonus, and so by your um, natural AC bonus, and so by so maximum, the higher armor you have, the less your AC, your 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 dexterity matters. Well, no, no, no. Um, basically, by max level, everyone's naked oh. because you don't you can't get both your armor bonus and your um, static uh, and your your character. And something I've noticed that a lot of DMs do in like 3.5 and other similar systems uh, that I don't know if you've done, but I know that I have done at times is like certain things are as hard to hit as I say they are. Their AC is what I say it is based on how well you people can hit it. (laughs) I I am not going to lie. I have changed hit points, armor classes, hit bonuses, and damage in the middle of fights. I know. We've seen it. (laughs) Because every once in a while you walk up to somebody and you wreck its face. Well, because at like in our Pathfinder campaign, we were doing an average of 150 damage a swing. No, no, that was the weaker characters in the party. <laughs> well, and my wife had an AC of 97, and my 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 gunslinger, who was my damage dealer, did like 500 to 1,000 damage in like in one attack round. Yeah. Um. I was doing an average of 150 because I was the defensive character. Yes. Until I was using my sorcerer, and then I was just 40d6. Let's go. Boom. And then you were <laughs> wish, 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 wish. Oh, so What's the perfect spell for this situation? Wish. I, then, have a, I have a bag full of diamonds. And my, and my wife's character eventually got the, the ability to um, take blows for someone else. It's like, oh, you hit them? No, you're going to get my IC. Oh, what's my AC? 96, 97, whatever it was. It's, you she can't was, hit it. Because she was polymorphed into a pixie at the time. And she retained all of her armor bonuses. That was not a, that was not a good strategic call on your part, was making it a super-powered campaign in Pathfinder, which is already super-powered. Yeah, like, I'm not going to lie, that troll you were fighting last night probably wouldn't have had that much AC normally, but it was like, you guys can hit him easily. 
<laughs> yeah. Or, well, it, it happened in 5th edition, which surprised me. As you know, I'm like, okay, well, you guys have been doing so well. I'm going to run you up against a um, uh, challenge rating. You're, you're all level 5. I'm going to run you up against a challenge rating 9 monster because you've been wrecking so and much then I And then I called Shot Throat. Was, was that one No, one this was the Chain Devil. Oh, the Chain Devil. I called Shot Head. No, no, yeah. this one you didn't auto-kill. You just did massive, ridiculous amounts someone of Someone auto-killed it. No, I auto-killed someone, someone auto it because I double-critted. But it, yeah. it, it, would, yeah. it would have died anyway. Yeah. It, oh, it okay. was actually, a, you would have done enough damage to kill it. You okay. had it down to like 10 hit points. Oh, okay. Like, I, I have been guilty of editing mid-fight so that fights just don't breeze by. Um, and, and the, but the funny thing is, when when you have to, because of this this modifying, you know, for things when the when the characters actually roll normally, they they die. It's yeah. like oh TPK, I have to modify Whoops. it back. Yeah, have to lie about that roll. So I, I think the I think the I think the solution there is don't modify your characters in the middle of the fight. Um, but actually, that ties in very well to Traveler. Because what, what, what Traveler has done is there are no hit points. I like, um, sorry, sorry to derail you for a second, yeah. but I like Gary Gygax's quote, I'm not rolling the dice for the number. I just, make, I just like the sound they make. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. I did that a couple times in Shadowrun so that you guys didn't fully die. Um, it's like, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, they missed, totally. Though another thing I don't like about 5th edition is it does not, it's not very lethal. It's, it's really hard to die in 5th edition. For players to die, yeah. Yeah. It's really hard for players to die, and because you never go below zero hit points, lay on hands, one hit point, get back up and fight. Yeah, it's really powerful. That's true. Um, they're they're good and bad, but traveler. So the way the hit point system works, in traveler. Traveler has the basic six stats. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has strength, dexterity, endurance, is constitution, intelligence, education is wisdom, and social is charisma. Um, and you have so you have three physical, three mental stats. When you take damage, you deduct it from your physical stats, starting with endurance, and then when endurance is empty, you take it from strength or dexterity, depending on depending on your, it's your choice, but a lot of people will say, oh, I got hit in the leg, there goes my dexterity. I got hit in the arm, there goes my strength. You know, um, And when two of those are at zero, you're unconscious. When three of those are at zero, you're dead. Flat out. No save, no nothing. Um which I really like because it brings the numbers of your attributes into play. A lot of systems, especially because D20, D20 was the originator of the systems, the numbers of your attributes are meaningless except to mark where your bonus is. A, it's this, like this is not true for the original for for second edition D. No, no, but but for but like in, in, three point five in, in modern and fifth, versions, it's like the, what the what, what are your are numbers? Dissolved. My number is fourteen. Okay, that's a plus two. My number is eighteen. Okay, that's a plus four. My number is twenty. Okay, that's a plus five. What matters is the plus five, not the not yeah. not the twenty. Um, Which is why I like the the um, the value tests, which are not like what is your strength bonus? Roll and add your strength bonus. It's roll. In relation to your attribute number is how well you do. Like, if you roll under your attribute, you succeed. Yeah, yeah. Which, which is how skill checks worked in 2nd edition. It's, and it's, if you have a proficiency... That's also how everything works in, I think it's, um, Savage Worlds. I think it's how Savage Worlds works. I, mean, I, I, I don't want to just throw that out there, but I believe... I've listened to it, I've never read it. Um, I believe from listening to it that that's how skills work in that. Or, uh, rules work in that. Um... 
I think that's also how they work in, in the hero system, which is another one that I'm really interested in playing. Which is I, the thing, I, I need to incorporate that more into my campaigns, because, like, your attributes are kind of meaningless unless they're even numbers. Yeah. yeah. Um, odd numbers need to be useful. Odd, odd numbers are absolutely useless in, in, in D20 systems, which... But when you look at Traveler, they're not, because it's based off that, you know, and especially when you're, especially with your, with your physical stats, there still is a modifier to your rolls that they give, but they're useful in addition to that. Mm-hmm. They're not just yeah, I need, a tracker I need, for your modifier. I need to start making use of that, like making your attributes more useful. Which the age system just would did away with. It's like, okay, your number is your modifier, you know, it's like... Yeah, you, you don't need... You don't need this seventeen over here that you had to get that plus four. So just write on the plus four. Forget seventeen. Yeah, there's no, there's no seventeen. It's just four. Dra- Dragon Age is an an interesting system. It's a test of how little do you need to, to make, make a system work. A system work, and um, it's possible. I think it does barebone rules better than fifth edition. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's definitely a lot. It, it, it it does, it does what it does what was it does what Finnish was wanting to do yeah it does the age system in general and I'm really looking forward to the uh, to the generic age um, or fantasy age system but the it, it 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 takes it takes the big numbers it takes the big information it takes the big item and equipment list it takes the big skill list it takes the disparity of classes and boils it down three classes each of them is unique and does their, does their one thing very well. Um, they they do a second thing, not as well as the first thing, but they still do a second thing better than the other two classes do. Um, and then you have three dice, and everything is based off that. Um, which is another thing, real quick, I love the... They use a 3d6, which is a 3 to 18 range instead of a 1d20. Yeah. But the beauty of 3d6 is, if any of you know statistics or probability... The average it, is higher. The, the average is in the middle. Yeah. You, you don't get as many 18s. You almost never get 18s, you almost never get 3s. In D&D... You're um, as likely to get any number on that D20. Yeah. Which means that it, numbers have to be large to be meaningful. Uh, the age system made small numbers meaningful by me, by making 3 dice, which means you get an average of 10.5 Yeah. whenever you roll. Um, which is something, again, going, you know, jumping around a little which bit. Which helps here, but, me but a lot because I can't roll like Traveler, dice to save my life. Traveler is a 2D6 system. You're trying. Traveler is a two d six system with a with a number gate. It's trying to you want to you want to hit a target number to succeed, no matter what it is. If you're shooting at a guy, hit an eight. If you're punching at a guy, hit an eight. If you're trying to operate a vehicle, hit an eight, which makes it ridiculously simple for people to understand. Roll a dice. Is it an eight? No, you fail. Is it an eight or higher? Yes, you succeeded. Um, then what happens is how much higher than an 8 or how much lower than an 8 determines how much you succeed and how much you fail. Um, and they have, a, they have an armor system where armor deducts damage. Mm-hmm. So that, that's, why, that's why they can afford to have that. You know, you get hit, but it doesn't really do anything. Um, but it makes it so, much, it, makes it so, 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 so simple. Um, and of course, if you if you roll deuces, you're, you're, it's a critical failure. But of course, there there is something to be said for complexity. Like not every system there is. should be so no. simple. Which uh, what Traveler then did was where the where the mechanic is simplicity, the role playing aspect is complex. Mm-hmm. Where they've taken the the character gen system and and just they they 
Fifth edition comes close, but no other no other system has ever been quite as complex about their character data as Traveler, where you they just took the essence of backgrounds and stretched it out. I mean, it's it's you start at eighteen, roll for or your, whatever age or whatever age you, whatever age appropriate. Yeah, you roll for the first four years of your life. Okay, roll for the next four years of your life. Okay, roll for the next four years of your life. Okay. And and there's so much minutia that your background becomes so integral. You build a character. You build a character like writers build characters in Traveler. You take it from the ground up. You give it. A, you give it a backstory up to a certain time, up to a certain age that you just come up with, and then from then on, what he does is mechanical. It's you know your career. What happens in your career? What sort of events do you go through in your career? Do you suffer any injuries? Do you gain any allies? Do you gain any enemies? Do you gain any contacts? Do you and the other players connect somewhere along the line? Okay. Do you do you fail out of this career? You fail. You got fired from your job or whatever. You move on. What happens in your next job? What skills do you gain from these careers as you go? And what they've done with Traveler is the role playing aspect is so much more important than the mechanics. The mechanics are still important because they're still what you do. You still have to pilot yeah. that ship. You still have to shoot that gun. You still have to stab that dude in the face. But how you do it and how your character reacts is more important. I think what we're saying here is that homebrewing is good and you should take all the things that work for your party. Exactly. Um. <laughs> but I mean, going, as far as simplicity goes, looking at the at the at the age system, I was like, this is they, there's not enough rules. You know, this is too simplistic. It's it's going to get boring. And what I found was, you make up for it because you're not limited. You can do whatever you want, and it's really easy to be like, okay, roll this. And your characters are specialized enough yeah. to do unique things. My character had a unique skill set, and there were things that only he could do. Yeah. Um, fifth edition was the opposite. I looked at it, I'm like, this looks like it has just enough rules to do well, and then it ended up being it had just enough rules to muddle everything into a pool of yeah. sameness. Now they're fixing a lot of that with the with the enhanced with the uh, with the unearthed arcana articles that they release and the PDFs that they release that add new things and add new characters and and, and yeah, and, and I mean, they're they're adding new things, but. And I'm not saying 5th edition is bad. No. It's, um, I prefer one end to the other. Really complex. Like, I love 2nd edition. Yeah. Because of its complexity, because of how much um, different things matter. And, and like the that. way that proficient, I love the proficiency system in 2nd edition, because the way it works is you have a, you are proficient with something, or you're not. You're not just, I want to try to, to, um, do uh, an acrobatic flip. It's like, well, do you, are you proficient in tumbling? Has your character ever tried to do this before? No. Okay. You're not going to you be able automatically to suck at it. You're going to um, try, but you're probably not going to do it. Um. So. Like, and your ability scores in second edition are paramount because all of your skills are based off of your ability. So if you even so you have proficiency to even try something, and then your success is you roll a d20, and if it's lower than your ability score you succeed. Well, it's like, I've been stretching my design legs building modifications to the WoW RPG, because it is mostly mechanically 3-5. Yeah. 
but I'm taking pieces of Pathfinder and pieces of 5th edition that work, Yes, I'm melding them together into it. Well, which, which is really what 5th edition was, if you look at it, they took bits of 4th edition, bits of 3rd edition, even some bits of 2nd edition, and they combined them together into 5th edition. Yeah, you know, sort of found what works and what what our players liked. What what were they doing in their own homebrews? Um, but, but you're never going to find a system that is perfect, perfect, or works for everybody because obviously everyone will have different tastes. Like I, I prefer a on the scale on the scale of complexity to simplicity. I prefer more on the complex scale, but not all the way at the end. Yeah, I'm I'm all for all the way at the end. Now, one thing that we do, one thing that we do is we jump around a lot. Yeah. We like to try new systems. We like to play new systems. We like to recreate things. So one of the one of the solutions that that unit actually came up with, Austin, uh, came up with was um, a planeswalking campaign that we're going to be starting next summer. Uh, and the idea was that rather than every three months we get bored and jump to a new system and make all new characters and start a whole new campaign, we take our characters that we have created, that we've crafted, that we've built up. And we have them shift from one reality to another. And in that reality shift comes a mechanic shift. And we recreate them or just translate them over. Because some systems translate well better than yep. others to, 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 to certain things. Um, and we say, okay, here's our character now. We continue our story together. Um, and um, that is actually a really brilliant idea. And I'm surprised that there aren't as many systems that accommodate for that yeah. as there are. Uh, Savage Worlds is one, because Savage Worlds is a very modular system that has a lot of different modules and scenarios and, and such. Uh, Traveler has a lot of modules. It's not necessarily built for extra planner activity, but it can be easily homebrewed to it. Um, but like D&D, kind of, you could, go to, you could go to parallel dimensions in D&D. Yeah. But it's not like they have different too terribly universes, different. but all the universes are kind of the same. We have a different deity set and different cultures, and a couple of different races, and that's about it. Can be a couple of different sub races. Yeah, a couple of different sub races. It's like you can be a furry halfling on this plane, but like there's nothing there's nothing put in place for uh, my dwarf from Forgotten Realms is going to go to Azeroth and learn. Uh, and, and learn how to be a siege tank pilot, and is then going to go to Shadowrun, what Earth in Shadowrun, get his arm cut off, get a cybernetic implant in, enhancement, and then come back to the Forgotten Realms with a cybernetic arm, and how is that going to mechanically work in? Yeah. like Or, or there, there come things like, well, if your character has a lightsaber, and they go back to Forgotten Realms, lightsabers it, as, as written would be OP, but how do the laws of physics even work? Because clearly nothing in Star Wars actually abides by the laws of physics. Well, not every some things do, not all things do. Not a lot. Um, it's like it's um like in uh although there there is something to be said for um new worlds and new variants because a like a lot of the new rule sets introduce new challenges that players can't metagame through. Yeah, like everyone has ev like most of our party knows a lot of the monsters in D anD. d Yes, yeah. which it gets frustrating when it's like you discover a new and strange monster. I start describing it's like oh it's an oni. <laughs> yes, it's an only fine. But meanwhile, in, in but our, our characters don't know that. Meanwhile, in our, in our last session of Warcraft, I threw this thing at you. All you know is it's called a Cavaldir. You have no idea what it does, what it is, but it's called a Cavaldir, and it looks like a giant drowned man. Yeah. So it's like new worlds that people haven't experienced are really good for new for new encounters and yeah. new creatures, and and so that's sort of taking it from one plane to another. 
um, which I really I really like that concept. And we're gonna be starting that with Traveler uh, because that I think that's just sort of like the perfect start point yes. to building our characters is building their backstory and saying okay when did they become planeswalkers? When did they start shifting? And then in that shifts, what did they learn? Um, so that'll be fun. Um, another really interesting thing that I like staying in Traveler for now, um, is the leveling up mechanic. So in Shadowrun, you gain karma as you complete tasks. Which is really slow. Which, it can be really I, slow. I, it, it, I mean, that's DM's discretion, how much karma yeah. you want to give out. I, I personally... It's also, it also, it's the DM's discretion. It's also up to the player characters. Because I told you guys at the beginning, if you guys do awesome things, you will earn more karma. That first session, bro, I earned like <laughs> double the karma as anybody else. Yeah. Well, that as, said... As I skateboarded down a staircase on the back of a slain enemy while um, hurling a machete at someone at the bottom. <laughs> Gain some karma. That, that said, what do you describe as awesome? Because in that particular case, it's really hard for certain characters to get extra karma. It's true. Like, Alex was a Technomancer. He opens doors. He opens doors. Well, okay, so for Alex, he could have rerouted the power, or, you know, rerouted the identify friend foe system, our targeting system of a of a couple of chain turrets that the company has on the ground, so he start open firing on the guards yeah. out front. But that's the thing that, that, that never, that's, 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 that's the thing that never really showed up, though. Well, you did look. There was a couple, was a couple of times. The the, the 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 thing is, what you have to do. It's really easy, obviously, for the warrior to do this. But every time I gain karma as a warrior. I did something that wasn't in the mechanics, a.k.a. Yeah. I just lopped someone's head off. I'm going to try to throw it at the other enemy. Yeah. Um, and so that be, that comes where the, the phrase yes and mm-hmm. comes in. Uh, yes and, for those of you that don't know, is a, GM, is a GMing thing where somebody proposes an idea, and rather than saying, no, that won't work, you go, yes and... Uh, and you, you continue it. You help, the, the players help to then construct the world. I gave you guys a lot, of, I, I mean, I wasn't explicit about giving you guys opportunities like that, but I was, I was trying to give you guys a lot of opportunities like that. That's when I would go. We found a few. You did. But that's when I would go like, you know, there's two buildings on either side of this, on either side of this massive warehouse, and they have clear views into the windows. I, I think a you lot know, of our problem was that our Shadowrun characters were very combat oriented yeah um if we had a, a strong infiltration specialist who's like hey maybe you go up to the other building find a way down well that's why i built a sniper like i built a sniper he only showed up once but i built a sniper because i like the idea of i'm nowhere near the fight yeah i'm here to kill people from a yeah. distance yeah and, well, we, and we, we, did, we did have a splitting cup. up the party we did and, and splitting up the party oftentimes you know is the only way to proceed in shadow run um and that sort of you know that sort of thing um Yes, anding is a very good way to not only increase, you know, sort of the, the opportunities, because there are things that your players might have thought of that you never thought of. Um, again, like hacking into the system to see if there are any hidden turrets. Mm-hmm. Um, and at which point you go, yes, you find a pair, and what do you do? Mm-hmm. You know, and, 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 and continue on like that. Um, but it, it, gives, it expands the world in directions that you never planned for as a GM. Um, it says, "Well, I had only planned I had only planned this narrow view, but these five people have come up with five different ideas that sort of you know take that view and widen it out. And well, widen it was it like out and widen um, it out. there was there was a there was a one of our one of the early sessions in the Warcraft campaign. It was there's a, a, there's a, there's an herb you need inside a village like beside a village full of trolls. There's a lake in the way on one side." 
and you know the only the only way direct way through there on the land is through the village. You can walk on water. You're undead. You don't breathe. You can fly. We can just go across this lake and completely or, avoid or, the troll or the bees. Yeah, the bees. <laughs> the bees. My my character's a centaur, ergo, uh, and he's a centaur with um, horseshoes that enhances movement speed. Um, so I can run. 150 feet. No, around. more. 120. I can run 280 feet around. Yes. Um, so I grab bees. I'm like, how fast can this swarm go? And this, this swarm with, you know, like normal movement speed yeah. for a person. I'm like, I book it. If they leave the hive, they get left behind. <laughs> yeah. So there's, there's, a lot, there's a lot of interesting opportunities for that. Um, and Shadowrun is full of them because that's how you are doing karma. Ratcheting it back because we got off on, on, on a tangent. The this way entire podcast is a tangent. Don't lie to yourself. It's true. This entire podcast is a tangent. Um, in Traveler, the way you learn skills or, or level up is you spend time training. You spend an amount of time equal to whatever the next level of that skill would be. All right, it's either that or the next level of the total number of skills. I'm not. Uh, I need to go back and reread. Um, but you spend an amount of time equal to the number of skills you either have total or in that skill in weeks. So if you've got three points and you want to go to four, you spend three weeks training to go to four. You spend four weeks training to go to five. In that skill, you have to actually devote that time to the training, um, which means that you're out of duty for that amount of time. Well, because Traveler is a science fiction world, uh, you're traveling between planets. Like, travel from one star system to another can take two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, whatever. Um, so in that time, while the ship's on autopilot, you go train. And so the training is really in the hands of you, the player. Um, it's sort of like the leveling up is... I don't have to ask the GM, do I level up now? I have to ask the GM, how long is it going to take? Three weeks? Okay, I'm going to train my pistol skill. I'm gonna go up. I'm gonna go up one in my pistol skill by training for three weeks, um, and and that sort of control that you have uh, over the leveling, I think is really neat, and I think it's sort of um, I think that 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 style of leveling up where it's in control, where it's in the player's control, like with Shadowrun, where if you do something awesome, you can get more karma. If you do something interesting that I didn't think of, you can get more karma. If you just happen to do exactly what I thought you were going to do, uh, but in a more but in a more badass or interesting way than I originally thought, okay. you get more karma. Skateboarding down the stairs on the yeah, like, I expected you to kill these guys. I didn't expect you to use this corpse as a weapon, but okay. <laughs> like you ripped out a guy's cyber arm and beat another guy to death with it. No, I ripped it off him and beat him to death with it. <laughs> Because we were grappling. That's right, you did. Yeah, you ripped it off and beat him to death with it. Well, it was um, like I, I made I made a secondary character because I wanted someone who was big and dangerous and explosive, and I made Crunch. And uh, it, it was it was it was a case of, I see you, tiny man. Let me give you a hug. Or or my my my, my troll uh, detonation specialist who had pickpocketing. It's like I accidentally dropped a grenade into your pocket. Walk walk walk. And, and so these these sentences are another reason why I love Shadowrun so much. It's like, I made a troll demolition specialist who can pickpocket a grenade into your pants. And also speaks with a ridiculous French accent. Yeah, it's like these these things that, that can happen in Shadowrun that can't happen anywhere else. 
absolutely love. Well, there's no reason that you couldn't, you know, in 5th edition D&D, develop a method of gunpowder or some sort of magical thing and pickpocket it. It's just, it's not a scenario that, that comes you up think often. of as likely. It's not as easily come up with. And there's 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 something to be said for like three five rule sets where like if you want if you think of a crazy idea you can probably build a specialization that will do it yeah. like um, for instance le boom mm. uh, there is a class in World of Warcraft RPG uh, the Tinker variant has a bombardier which specializes in making explosives yes. and putting them into people <laughs> but the downside of this is all of a sudden my demolition expert is a bombardier he's not. Whereas in Shadowrun, that's another thing. He's, like he's, a, he's a class, he, not a. Not he's a thing. open to so many methods of it. Um, he, he's a demolition expert, and he's a grappler. Um, at one point, I gripped, grabbed an enemy, strapped a pack of C4 to him, and threw him bodily over a yeah, barricade. Yeah, you, you you made a you made a human grenade. I thought that was nice. I think you earned karma for that too. I did. <laughs> and, that, and that's the another... boom earned lots of karma. <laughs> and that, that's another funny thing to be said for um, GM Fiat is like. I like to make things interesting. I like to make characters unique. So something I've, I've done with my campaigns is every character gets something special about them. Yeah. Something that makes them unique from just a generic, this is their class, this is their prestige. But I like that, I like that, I like, I like systems that do that automatically. Mm-hmm. That, that the GM doesn't yeah. have to think about that. Um, because then, at that point, you didn't have to balance against it. If, you're, if, you have, if you have to do it, you didn't have to balance against it. Which I think, in some of the instances, like with his magical, uh, sh- with his magical horseshoes, I, I, had, I hadn't thought of it at the time. <laughs> now I'm balancing against it. It's not that hard to do. It's just I have to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or, or jump charging people and they never get near me. Yeah. Yeah. Ride by attacks all over the place. Um, but yeah. So lots of interesting things to do with, uh, with that. But going back to our Planeswalker campaign. Uh, do you have anything you want to talk about in regards to the Planeswalker campaign that you have ideas for, or that you're excited about? Um, I mean, I, think I like the idea that you can. I, 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 I love, I love worlds, and I love trying to figure out. Well, you know how how I, I was that child who was always like, ooh, you know, how does Magneto do against Palpatine and that sort of thing? And I love the idea of how does a Jedi translate into a fantasy world. I, I love the idea of trying to think. How how does this translate? How do these worlds actually interact? That is one of my favorite things. Or like how does that how does smashing that, worlds together and seeing how it works? How mm-hmm. does a biotic from Mass Effect work in Forgotten Realms' favor? Yeah, you know. Or um, the, on the flip side, you know, what does a you know what does my dragon disciple from Forgotten Realms do in Shadowrun? <laughs> Turn into a dragon. <laughs> um, sir, you have a dragon coming out of your head. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that conversation. Um, yes, I, I also like how we both independently ended up with half dragons. Just in the other way. <laughs> yeah, well, you're more dragon, I'm more. I was like, what does what does someone who works in a in a, in a like a steam style of technology, like an Azeroth tinker, when he shows up in the 41st millennium, how does he walk forward? Yeah, it's like how does steam how- lasers. Um, I'm not sure these are transferable skill sets. <laughs> How do I learn to be a space marine? Um, so yeah, that, that I think that's going to be fun. We're probably going to come back to the podcast with more stuff about that um, as we go. So, is there anything that you're... Like I, I said earlier that I'm really looking forward to the Fantasy Age system coming out. 
mm-hmm. and and getting access to that. And I know you're looking forward to Titans of or, uh, Titans Grave, Ashes of Volcano. Like uh, I'm looking for I'm looking forward to the age of, to the age setting because worlds like that are kinds of worlds that I like to make. Yeah, where fantasy has accelerated to a sci-fi situation. Yeah. Is there anything other than that, that that we're looking forward to in the pen and paper RPG setting, like in in, in that world, something that we know that's coming out uh, soon-ish that that we're looking forward to play with? Um, as far as just what rule sets? Yeah, and rule sets, additions, add addendums, whatever. Like for instance, uh, a little while back, Fifth Edition released an unearthed arcana uh, about the Awakened Mystic. Which is basically the psionic class from three point five coming back. Mm-hmm. Which I've I've always loved psionics. Yeah, um, has unbalanced as they started. I'm looking forward to seeing where they go from there because it's only le- it's 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 the first level five level class that they've released. There's only five levels in the PDF for yeah. them. I'm looking forward to see if they expand that out for the next fifteen levels to make it a twenty level class, or if that's the beginning of prestige classes, and if it is, where do they go from there? I think prestige classes would be interesting if it, uh, I think the biggest failing of 5th edition right now is that it needs more stuff. No, I th- I think that it needs um numbers to be sm- all the n- all the numbers are small except for the dice you roll. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um you roll a bunch of dice with little modifiers. Yeah. Um I would love to either see the numbers the, the, get bigger. The, number, the numbers are unbalanced. The numbers like, are unbalanced. Either the numbers need to be bigger, which is what three point five did, and you have. But well, at three point five, you know, I have a fifth level character who's got a plus fourteen to hit. Yeah. Um, and it can be much higher because up to a plus seventeen to hit when I charge. Um, whereas, I, in fifth edition, what I think they need to do is, well, what if we, what if we dropped it back? What if you only rolled a two d eight instead of a d twenty? Which I mean, they're not going to do that because it's a d twenty system. Yeah. But I think it'd be interesting. Play, you know. I, actually, I think it'd be kind of interesting. Just play a session of D and D with two D eight instead of D twenty or two D twenty. Two D twenty. Two D twenty. That'd be ridiculous. <laughs> Your numbers would be ridiculous. I mean, if you're relying on the dice, you know, increasing the number of dice or reducing or two D ten instead of one D twenty. Yeah, two D ten instead of one D twenty. I think would make a big difference in. It would make. It would make the you know the out of the ordinary you know your twenties more exceptional because it'd be rarer and it'd yeah. be harder to get and it would make your critical failures less more less uh, less frequent yeah. le- less frequent and and you could play off a bit more and it increases um, your average and it increases it it, ma- it makes your average a ten point five which there there is no average in a one d twenty your average is whatever number comes up yeah, yeah it, it's um, well your average is everything in the middle range. The, the other thing that I've loved about 2nd edition game I've played is, um, in 2nd edition, permanent permanency was a big deal. The fact that you would get an arm lopped off. Your character no longer has an arm. Getting that arm regrown is difficult in utmost. And it gives you a really interesting roleplay role scenario. That's 2nd edition. Because in 3.5, all you have to do is have the regeneration spell. Uh, 3.5, there's a bajillion different ways to get your arm grown back. Yeah. Um, second edition, you know, oh, my arm got lopped off. I suddenly have to role play. Without How an does arm. my character cope? You know, what does my character do? How, you know, me- mechanics what is whatever. It's yeah, and like for me, it's and, a- and I, th- I think that may be something that's more old school gamers versus new new no, gamers. That's something that I'd like to experience with going going back to the um, the uh, old school Renaissance OSR uh, 
games. Things like uh, Wizards and Yes, Wizards that's and the one. OSR, I'm curious to see where they're going. Yeah. Um, I would like to play a game, maybe even take it as, a, as one of our planeswalking as one of our planeswalking systems. Uh, I, it's Wizards and Warriors, I think, or yeah. or Swords Swords and so- Swords and Sorcery. That's it. Uh, Swords and Sorcery, which is an OSR old school Renaissance remake, basically a first edition. Um, they they I think they fixed a few of the rules. They <laughs> they they made the genders equal. They, yeah, they 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 fixed a few of the <laughs> they rules. They fixed sexism. Fixed fixed a few of the issues. Um, but other which, than that, which I think was only an issue in the in the original, D, not when it was released in book form, AD and D. Yeah. Um. um w- which was also the time when elf was not a race; it was a class. Yeah, elf and dwarf are classes in in AD and D. In in, in D&D. also in also in sword and sorcerers. I'm a human. I want to take a level in dwarf. I <laughs> take a level in dwarf. Well, you, the, the the classes are the classes determine your race. It's very similar to the way the age system works, where your background determines what race you can take. Yeah, I, I get it. Yeah, I just like the idea. Is like I'm going to take a level in dwarf. I suddenly become four feet shorter and grow a giant <laughs> beard. I'm multi-classing. Yeah. I'm multi-classing human warrior well, dwarf. Basically, it was you have your you had fighter, fighter wizard, wizard, cleric, cleric. There was no rogue. Not in, not in not in first edition, but in AD and D there was. In AD and D there was. No, I'm talking about pre AD and D. Sword and Sorcery, by the way, is AD and D remake. Yeah. I'm talking about pre AD and D when it was the just the three classes. The three classes and Elf, which was a basically your first. It, elf was the first multi class. It was a fighter wizard. Yeah. And Dwarf, which was a fighter with hit point bonuses. Yeah. Versus you know attack abilities. Um. A sturdy which, fighter. Sturdy fighter. And uh, later on they released halflings, which were... Rogues. No. Were they not? Halflings can only be fighters. Oh. Halflings, level, but they had rogue-like abilities. That's what I, that's what I meant. It's like they were effectively they, they rogue were, class. Uh, they, they weren't, there weren't enough rules to make rogues good. Yeah. Um, it's like there's nothing, there's nothing that I'm specifically looking forward to, but a thing that Blizzard does, and oh, shocker. Shadow of course, talking about Blizzard things. <laughs> um, uh, um, the, uh, the thing that Blizzard has always been talking about for a long time is, like, we might bring back another edition of Warcraft RPG. Like, they, the only reason there, there isn't more of Warcraft RPG is that they, they licensed it and didn't stand with White Wolf. Um, and so it's but like, now they're big enough that they could, you know... If they wanted to, they could make another edition. Just of like, do it themselves. I'm, I'm really hoping that at some point they decide... Yeah, I feel like playing some tabletop. I feel like playing some tabletop in Warcraft. These rules are really old and outdated. We should make a new system. <laughs> but then the, the difference is they've been making video games for so long. What happens when yeah. they accidentally wowify it? Mm. And we have we have Warcraft Fourth Edition. <laughs> <laughs> that would be. I, I re, I'm really. I'm hoping. I'm hoping more for Warcraft Fifth Edition. <laughs> but um, that's a thing. Uh, yeah, that, that, that's pretty much what I'm looking forward to. Is, is is experiencing more of these uh, OSR systems? I really want to. Ex- I really want to. I've only been in the hobby for a short time, relative, um, and there's so many systems that I want to play. So many things I want to get my hands into. I, I'm currently doing a every mostly every other week. We got a couple of weeks hiatus right now. Um, every other week, uh, pen and paper RPG stream on on one of one of my uh, other Twitch channels. Um, Twitch.tv slash Lamor. Uh, we are doing every other Sunday. We do what's called End of the Polyhedron, and we've 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 been playing systems that I have never experienced before until we sort of broadened my horizons. Um, 
for instance, we just got done. We, we, I think we're about to be done. This next session, I think, is going to be our last session of Inspectors, which is a uh, a very role-play heavy story system about being ghost hunters. <laughs> Uh, basically, knockoff Ghostbusters. It's, okay, it's actually Ghostbusters. It's not like it's true ghost stories. No, it's, no, 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 no. It's 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 like knockoff Ghostbusters. I like this. Um, and we, it's a it's a dice pool system. You've got four skills. There are four attributes on, that each character has. You have a minimum of one and a maximum of four in each one. You have a, a number of dice that you pick and you you, you spread throughout. There's athletics, technology, contacts. And um, athletics, technology, contacts, and academics. And so you get a certain number of dice to allocate among those stats. You get a certain number of dice to allocate among those stats. And when you make a roll in one of those stats, you roll that number of dice and you take the highest one. Mm -hmm. And if it's a certain, and you need a certain number to succeed or fail. It's kind of of like a a target number, kind of. What, Um, What size are the dice? D6s. They're all D6s. So you only have a target number from one to six plus modifiers. No modifiers. So just one to six. Yep. Typically, typically, what it works is it's it's a it's a it's a sliding scale. Six, everything goes perfectly right, and you determine the outcome. One, everything goes to hell, and then everything in between has a different outcome. So mm-hmm. it's not really a target number as it is. I think it's like three and up are mostly successful, and then two, one and two are mostly failures. Mm-hmm. Um, or like three is like a middle ground. Yeah, three is kind of like a middle ground, uh, where you kind of succeed but you kind of don't. And it's it's, it's a using, scavengeable failure. Yeah, it's using using this using this system is where I accidentally broke the neck of a lady I was trying to form CPR on. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, she was already dead, right? No, she wasn't. She was. She would have been fine. But then you killed her. I tried to help her and killed her um, because I only had one dice to roll in the skill. But that's that's it, it, it's sort of like adapting to the outcomes of your attempts mm-hmm. in a role playing sense is the big point of that. Well, and and that's that's a, a pen and paper thing. That's really more of a more of a storytelling. More, it's it's yeah. not about the dice rolls. It's about interact. It's about interactive storytelling with dice to spice things up. Yes, exactly. Dice, um, dice to, to, to at critical moments fail you and make you have to regroup. <laughs> yeah. It's role playing R O L E instead of role playing R O L L. Yes, which is what a lot of you know, which is what people playing. come to expect from D and D is role R O L L playing. Yeah. Um, what they expect from D and D, it's it's what they expect from most modern pen and it's it's what it's what video game players expect from a pen and paper experience. So I'm I'm really looking forward to to experiencing new things and like that and then corp- and then bringing them back to our playgroup and seeing how they work with us because we've got a fairly diverse playgroup. Yes, we've got uh, gamers, designers, writers, uh, actors. We're all actors, um, students, and then old school gamers, new school gamers, um, and so I, I, it's really fun to see how we all take because there are some of us that definitely enjoy fifth edition a lot more than others. Yes. And then there are some of us that enjoyed Shadowrun more than others. I oh, I think it. we all pretty much enjoyed Shadowrun. We all love Shadowrun. Uh, it was a great I love it a lot more than I think William does. <laughs> but I don't think William hated it. No, it was, it was I, fine. I, it was I, like, I have a I great... Have, I, I, don't, I don't have a. I don't have like an issue with Shadowrun. It's I, just... I I brought I brought Austin a brand new toy though when I when I introduced it to his life. <laughs> yes. 
So you're gonna DM you're gonna DM our next Shadowrun game, right? Uh, you know, <laughs> I I I enjoy playing it a lot. That's what I was thinking. It's like I enjoy playing. Like there, there's there's an issue with having a favorite system. Is like you enjoy playing it, but you're the only one. That but you're the only one it. that will DM it. Yeah, I yeah. enjoy playing Shadowrun, but I'm the only one that has DM'd it thus well, far. Well, I, I I wouldn't mind DMing a World of Warcraft, but I don't know about the world. Yeah, and exactly, which is the problem. It's like World of Warcraft is specifically in Azeroth, which is a very unique and very deep yeah. world that has a lot of backstory. And like you and I are the only two that could ever DM it. Yeah. Um, I have great fondness for any 3.5 system just because I have it all memorized pretty much <laughs> that said I feel like when you went if you read deep into the into the world I feel like you would really enjoy the world yeah no, no doubt about that um, uh, but yeah that's something like like vampire I really want to play but I'm the only one here that could DM it um, Star Wars, I really want to play. I'm the only one here that could DM it. Uh, uh, I could probably learn Star Wars. Uh, well, the, 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 maybe the D20 system, because it's, it's a D20 system. So D20 it's system. Is, I mean, I, I, I'm very adaptable. I could learn new systems. Yeah. yeah I, I, just, I, can, I, I can learn new systems pretty quick. It's a matter of whether or not we know enough of the world I need to, throw, to make I need a story. to throw you uh, some, some Star Wars uh, systems. I really want to play Star Wars Traveler. That's really what I want to do. <laughs> Uh, Star Wars Traveler that I've that I found uh, that I've got is is awesome, um, but that's that's enough for now. Uh, so if you've if you've managed to stay to the end of our ramblings, uh, basically what we want to do with this podcast is is talk about games, talk about gaming in general, uh, uh, our experiences with it, what we're looking forward to, what we like, and not not just pen and paper. Right to clarify, we started with pen and paper, but today's been a pen and paper. But we're all all forms of gaming exactly. Um, and if, I think among, among the three of us, there's every genre appreciated, except for maybe horror. Yeah, I I appreciate a good horror game if it scares me. I, I I'm am, just not good at them. <laughs> I get bored by horror. Games. I am someone who dives into every medium of gaming they find. Yeah. So okay. we have we have an appreciation for everything here. Um, so we're, we're not gonna we we focused on we focused on pen and paper RPGs today because that was something that's that's fresh in all of our minds because we are currently we just like yesterday yesterday we, we had a with, session we had a session. Um, but that's not gonna be the only thing we talk about. We're gonna talk about video games. We're gonna talk about new releases. We're gonna talk. We're gonna we're gonna dig deep on a couple of topics related to video games. And if um, you have any topics that you think would be interesting for us to discuss, please please let us know. Suggest uh, you can find us all all the place. Um, you can find me in particular on twitch.tv slash sinstaku. You can also find me on Twitter where I'm at John A Bates. Uh, you can find me on YouTube, where I'm youtube.com slash sinstaku. And you can find you can email me uh, if anything related to the podcast or anything related to any other subject, you can email me at john.a.bates at hotmail.com. Eventually I will get a podcast centric email that we'll all have access to, so but but for right now you can email there. Um, please uh, if you have any suggestions, topic ideas, uh, thoughts on any on anything, uh, Please feel free to let us know so we can improve uh, the podcast. Uh, we we are going to be making this a weekly thing as best we can. Um, we want to try to release one every week and and have a new topic every week. And starting uh, starting next time, I'll probably be asking for questions. Uh, that and you can you can email us questions already if you have any that you'd like to ask. But I will be actively seeking them starting later uh, later in the in, in the podcast. Um. 
Uh, Shadow Chorus, where can they find you? Uh, you, here? you can find me uh, twitch.tv slash Shadow Chorus, uh, also on his twitch.tv slash Nisaku. Uh, I stream on Shadow Chorus every Sunday. I stream with him twice a week. Um, you can find me on Twitter at, at Shadow underscore Chorus. I don't check that too often. I primarily use it for like alerting people that I'm when I'm starting up streaming. Um, but uh, you can email me if you need to contact me uh, at wbase95 at gmail.com. Uh, and aside from that, I am all over the place, and you'll typically find me a Shadow Chorus. I'm usually the only person who uses the name Shadow Chorus. I don't have it on my Gmail because someone got to it before me somehow. <laughs> but I am almost always Shadow Chorus wherever I go. And you did? I'm find- findable at units spelled U-K-N-I-T-S because spelling is fun. Um, and I do have a Twitter. I don't check it super often either, but I have one and it's at U-K-N-I-T-S. Um, and I, I leech off of Sensetaku's stream on Twitch. Everyone is available to leech. Uh, but yeah, thank you very much for sitting through this inaugural episode of the Shenanicast. Uh, we will be coming back next week. Uh, I think the topic that we're going to talk about is probably going to be streaming or, or video games in general more than more than pen and paper. Uh, so please tune in for that. And if you're listening to, no matter where you're listening to this, please uh, feel free to rate us on iTunes or wherever you found this and like and subscribe. Uh, thank you very much, and we will talk to you later. Meow. Say goodbye, Shadow Course. Farewell. All right. Bye bye. a stinger and if so do we want to just pick it from whatever we talk about pre-clap yeah. <laughs> yes we could the stinger is the pre-clap all right sweet the stinger is the pre-clap it's the stinger it's is the beginning guitars. the stinger is the beginning okay uh so if you guys are ready yeah. all right ready to clap one two three